life doesn't always go according to plan. For some, the plan can change slightly. It might mean going to a different school or changing your career path. Anything that forces you to deviate from what you saw for yourself. For others, though, plan changes aren't just plan changes. They can be lasting traumas that change the way that we feel about ourselves and interact with the world around us. These changes can leave us vulnerable. And while vulnerability can be beautiful and honest, sometimes it just paints a target on your back. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the murder of Anne-Marie Fahey, a young woman that got tangled up in an affair with a millionaire and paid the ultimate price for it. Before we jump into today's episode, I do just want to address a change that I'm sure you've already noticed. Today, I release not one, but two episodes. Now, before you think that I've just decided to shower you in different cases, let's get on the same page about it. As you all know, we've recently been exploring longer episodes on Wednesdays because some of you expressed an interest in longer cases. And I think that that's been going pretty all right so far. But that doesn't mean that there's room for improvement. And during this last week, my producer John came up with a brilliant idea to help accommodate everyone, both the people who want more and the people who really appreciated the original episode length. So going forward, all Wednesday episodes will be split into two parts. They will be launched together so you can jump right in. This means that those of you who want a longer case exploration can go straight to part two, and those of you who need those quick fixes can come back on your own terms when it works for you. This seemed like a good way to give everyone what they want, and I suspect those of you who really enjoy the short episodes are going to find that this gives you that same length while still offering a little bit more detail. So, welcome to part one. Now let's get into it. Anne-Marie Fahey was 30 years old when she met her untimely demise in 1996. Known as a sweet and caring woman, Anne-Marie was looking for something special. Like so many before her, she was hoping to stumble across her soulmate. But while she was looking, she met a devil in disguise. Thomas Joseph Capano was a man in his 40s, but that wasn't all that he was. Capano was also a lawyer and former deputy attorney general. Known for his riches and power, Capano was living a life that was less than favorable in the eyes of a few people. Though he was married and had a handful of daughters, Capano was known to be unfaithful to his wife and his family. In fact, Rumors about him were so extreme that he was referred to as the man with the Velcro fly. I don't have enough time to unpack all of that. I don't know who came up with this title or what their reasoning was for choosing Velcro. Zippers do seem less chaotic than Velcro, but insults in the 90s were what they were, I guess. 
Either way, Capano was a ladies' man, and he was known for his many affairs throughout the years. Along the way, he stumbled across Anne-Marie, and things took a dark turn over the next couple of years. I think what interests me about this case is that it feels very Fifty Shades of Grey to me, and I don't mean that in a good way. I am not here to shame anyone for their literary interests, but I will say that one of the best posts I ever saw about Fifty Shades basically said that with a minor tone change, the story can go from being a romance to being a thriller, since she is essentially stalked. And we can kind of see that with Anne-Marie and Capano. This was a powerful man with a lot of money, and he just kind of swooped in on this woman with a very troubled background and took control of her life, basically. Anne-Marie grew up with a lot of financial insecurity. Her mother died when she was a child, and her father did not take that well. He lost his job, and he started drinking, and Anne-Marie's life really didn't get any easier after that, even as she worked to make her own money by going to school and starting a career as a secretary. Capano began courting Anne-Marie, taking her to lunches and then eventually nice dinners, but it wasn't all fun and romance. Over time, the tone of the relationship began to change. In her own diary, Anne-Marie shared some of the changes, often ridiculing herself for allowing Capano in her life. She described him as controlling, manipulative, insecure, and called him a jealous maniac. You know, all of those loving sentiments that you share about the person that you are in love with. But... Capano's claws weren't actually in as deep as he thought they were, and I think that upset him. Anne-Marie was pretty concerned about his marital status straight out of the gate, and understandably so. But rather than simply bowing out then, she decided to get help instead. Anne-Marie began to see a therapist who helped her to explore the arrangement, and... This relationship didn't sound all that healthy either. In private, she referred to her therapist as her best friend and mentor. And then, to make it even more weird, he mysteriously and suddenly died in a car crash a year later. Without her mentor, Anne-Marie was once again cast out to sea emotionally, but she was looking for a good way to find stability. It became clear immediately that Capano was not the answer. Capano was known to have a wandering heart, or, you know, something. But apparently Anne-Marie did as well. In fact, she met someone who seemed like a much better fit for her. Now, at this point, Capano had separated from his wife, the two were living apart from one another, and there's no evidence to suggest that Anne-Marie was Capano's only love interest at the time, but that didn't matter to Capano. It was fine if he had wandering eyes, but the realization that his precious Anne-Marie might also have them 
was apparently too much for him. Capano took Anne-Marie to a nice dinner at a local restaurant, and it is believed that this is when she disclosed the truth. She wanted to be with someone else, and more importantly, because they needed to specify, she didn't want to be with Capano anymore. Given his wealth and power, you can pretty much imagine how this went. The idea that she was in love with another man was enough to make a crazy man even crazier, and he lost it. He took Anne-Marie back to his home, and it was at this very home that he shot her, killing her immediately. But Capano wasn't done yet. A man like Capano couldn't just kill someone and let it be done, you know? This wasn't some random person. This was... A man that was used to the spotlight, which meant he needed to ensure that he wouldn't get caught. As we true crime fans know, if you want to get away with a crime, you have to get rid of the evidence. And that is what Capano decided to do. Prior to her death, apparently Anne-Marie unknowingly had Capano in quite a tizzy. His friends described his fixation with her as an obsession, and this murder was kind of a long time coming, according to them. But if you want to know more about that, or how Capano found himself out at sea in a much more literal sense, you will have to head over to listen to part two. Spoiler, there is drama. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.